There we go. Okay, so it's good to be back with you all. I don't think I was gone that long, but it felt like a long time. <laughs> so we spend so much time together. I wanted to um, give a talk on the dedication of merit. It's I've never given a talk on the dedication of merit. And quite frankly, I don't think I've ever heard a talk on the dedication of merit, but it's something that we do as a ritual in, um, in this Buddhist community, but in Buddhist communities all over the world um, pretty regularly. You know, at the end of our time together, we always dedicate the merit. And for me, it's a, it's a very sacred time, even though it's, it's very short. Um, it's something that I, I love to do. And I wanted to talk about that and just the meaning of it. And um, to make it clear that the dedication of merit is, it's not just a tack on thing that we do because we're Buddhist. <laughs> it's, some, it's actually a practice. It's an important practice important part of what we do. So I thought I'd start with um, a quote from Ajahn Pasana. Ajahn Pasano is a Thai Buddhist monk who lives here in California. He's the abbot. Actually, I think he's stepped down as, as abbot or he's a co-abbot. I'm not sure. He's, he's kind of in retirement as, as much as you can be in retirement as a monk. But he, he was the abbot of Abayagiri, um, which is up north here. And um, just a little bit about Ajahn Pasano, because he's, he's been an uh, important influence in my own practice, that he's one of those people, when you're in his presence, I, you just feel his heart. There's just so much metta, that loving kindness, just freely being offered, it seems. That's my, that's my experience of him. And, and I think a lot of people's experience of him. And um, I, I think of him as a very uh, devotional type of practitioner. And so I wanted to share, this is, this is what he has to say about the dedication of merit so he says, the dedication of merit and blessings is a practice that is very common and ordinary in Buddhist cultures like Thailand. This practice helps uh, counteract our tendency to focus on the problems, the flaws, and the obstacles we believe we have to overcome, whether they are real or perceived. We can set all that aside and instead bring our attention to the conditions in our lives that are blessings, those conditions that align themselves with what is meritorious and good. This is the dedication of merit. So this dedication of merit, it's a time of uh, acknowledgement. It's, a, it's this uh, short period of time that we take to, to acknowledge the benefits of our practice, these blessings that come from being engaged on this path. It's a time to also reflect on our progress, where we started when we got into this practice and where we might be now. And 
it's easy to overlook, especially when we're going through a hard time or if we feel like we've just completely failed at something, whether it's a conversation or, um, you know, we, we did something that was really unconscious, we can feel like, you know, I'm, I'm no better than I was. But usually that's coming through this, a lens of, of self-doubt, of self-defeat. Um, when we can engage with the dedication of merit as, as this, this time of acknowledging, I've actually come really far through this practice. Um, we get to connect back with its purpose. Why are we spending time doing this? Some of you spend a lot of time doing this. Um, and it's for good reason. Getting connected with the preciousness of our, of our practice. It's a time to connect with it as a practice of peace. And so just like that meditation that I, I led, and if you were here, I think maybe a month ago, I gave a whole talk on this practice as a practice of peace. That even the dedication of merit itself is, is a practice of peace. There's so many other things that we can be doing. Um, some of, you know, we could be doing hurtful things, you know, or just benign things that aren't really cultivating anything for the good of anybody, <laughs> you know, but we choose to do this. And even if your practice, your sit was no good, or that's your opinion of it, <laughs> you know, we, we actually don't see the inner workings all that clearly sometimes, even when, we sit down and our mind, the whole time we spend spinning around some idea or, or conversation or to-do list or whatever it is, um, the fact that there's still this intention behind it all, maybe it's underlying it all, that brings us here, wherever here is for you right now, to practice together, to spend time to do this there is merit from that. There's, there's a wholesomeness in that. There could be a lot of other things that you could be doing. And so maybe you connected with that in, in the practice. My intention in, in bringing that peacefulness practice in tonight is maybe, maybe you were able to connect with even when the practice feels off, that there's this uh, intention or there's this um, true act of not causing harm and you're still you're whatever it is you're still not causing harm you're sitting peacefully in your whatever space you're in and so that that cultivating of harmlessness of um, the, the intention of cultivating wisdom and compassion and all the different aspects of our, of our, the path of our practice. We are, um, we're, we're cultivating something, uh, that is long lasting. It's more than just that moment that we're sitting on the cushion. It moves forward with us in time. 
It's something that um, creates the next moment as a possibility of more peace and the next moment of more peace. Or maybe it pops up at times that are not expected, times where you would have normally been reactionary, but all of a sudden you catch yourself. You, you realize what's going on. You take a step back. Oh, I don't really want to say that. I don't really want to do this. There's that, that presence there. There's consciousness there that's been generated from this practice. So this merit is strong and it's there even when we feel like we don't, maybe we didn't earn it this time. It's still there. And so part of what we're doing in the dedication of merit is bowing to that. There is a way in which as we're, we're taking stock and how our life has been touched and changed by the Dharma, where we can feel humbled by that, to be humbled by our practice, to be humbled by the Dharma. It's, um, it's a beautiful connection. It's a beautiful way to connect with the Dharma. Suddenly, you know, the, the, the part of us that is so self-centered and all about us gets to loosen up a little bit. And we see it's something, this is something bigger than that, that uh, part of me that's just maybe feeling small or feeling confused or um, over-identified. It's very humbling to see the power of, of the practice, much like when uh, we've been doing a little bit of traveling with all these family members, so many of you know, uh, who have been coming through, we've been hosting a lot of family this month. And so we take them places like to the ocean and um, a lot of them are from the Midwest. And so they all wanna go to the Pacific ocean and it's humbling to see the power of the waves and the wind and you know we we like to go to the more rugged uh, coastline and uh, the beauty of that there's something so the humbling and and the mass of it and being part of it you know being dropping into that and we can do that with our practice being humbled by our practice I always think of um, the teacher, Ruth Dennison. How many of you knew Ruth Dennison? Jude, you, you knew Ruth? So Ruth Dennison, she's passed away. She passed away, I think maybe six years ago, something like that. I think it's been a while because I think I was pregnant when I went to her, one of the services. And um, she was this courageous, uh, teacher, practitioner, um, so dedicated to the Dharma. People, especially women, flocked to her for her wisdom. She was, I think it's fair to say, a very eccentric <laughs> type of a teacher. Um, there were, you know, broke all the rules that, that, that could be broken. <laughs> um, her her uh, fierceness of pra for practice and to and waking up and helping other people wake up was just always right there at the tip of everything that she did. And I was practicing down in Yucca Valley. Um, I don't think they do it anymore, but Spirit Rock used to have these huge retreats down in Yucca Valley. And I was on one of these retreats and um, Ruth Dennison's um, 
place was nearby and she always made it I think it was a habit of hers to just drop in kind of unannounced. <laughs> I think she liked it that way. And I just remember sitting in this huge hall with all these people who were meditating and it's a silent sit. And then I could hear, I was near the front where near the altar and the doors were in the back and I could hear behind me, there was some whispering, which was really unusual for, for silent practice. But I stayed in my practice and I just noted something's going on and it started to get louder and someone said, it's Ruth. <laughs> so I finally came out and, you know, turned around to look to see what's going on. And this, this very elderly woman who with two canes hobbling down the center aisle with lots of fabric, there was always a lot of fabric <laughs> with Ruth. And she was making her way and it, it looked, um, I believe she, I can't remember if it was hips or knees, but she, she had fallen uh, several times in the years, previous years to this encounter. And so she wasn't, she, her mobility was really affected. And I think at some point someone got up and helped her to the front. So she makes it all the way up without saying a word. And most of us are just kind of, nobody really knows what to do. And um, she goes all the way to the front and she turns, I'm close enough to hear her turn to the woman who was supporting her saying, okay, that's enough, dear. I want to give thanks to the Buddha. And so she kind of pushed the woman aside and put down her um, canes and she did a full, um, a full prostration in front of the altar came down on those knees, which I, I thought she's not going to come back up. <laughs> she just wasn't going to let any of her physical um, mobility uh, uh, challenges to affect what she was about to do. She, she did the whole thing down on the knees. Then you go all the way down. We don't do this often in um, the Theravadan tradition, but this is more of a Mahayana style. You go fully down. So you're laying on the ground and then she put her arms out with her head fully on the on the ground and then got up she did it three times which is the tradition it was amazing it was amazing and it was such a, for me it it was um a full demonstration of just humbleness and and uh, this acknowledgement of love for this practice so whenever I think of, you know, what are we, what are we doing here in terms of what are we acknowledging? I think of Ruth in that moment and her embodiment of, of what I'm talking about. And so this dedication of merit, it allows us to connect into that. Our dedication of merit, it's a, it's a practice of selflessness maybe at its core, that's really what it is, is it's helping us connect to selflessness. It's a way to train ourselves uh, not to keep all the good stuff just for ourselves. Now, it, it, it's a reminder that yes, we are benefiting from this practice. And so let's, let's put it out into the world that those benefits aren't really meant to just be uh, hoarded away and, and kept 
uh, for ourselves, that this is, it's not about ourself. It's about uh, the world that we live in and the benefit to all. And so we have this opportunity every time to connect into this larger purpose, to connect in with generosity. The dedication of merit is an act of generosity. And we're touching into the abundance in our life, which sometimes it feels like there's none. You know, that sometimes it might feel, maybe it feels like that right now. Maybe it feels like the circumstances of your life are just totally crummy and there's nothing to give. And yet in this practice of dedicating the merit, the fact that you have at least the conditions to come into contact with the Dharma, to come in contact with practice, that you are practicing, that you do have something to give. You have something very um, precious and valuable to offer through this dedication. In some ways, or maybe in that way, it helps us realize that we may have enough already in our life. That maybe there's, there's enough. Maybe we have plenty to give. So it brings into our practice into this larger context. One way of also looking at it is we, um, we come into this practice. I, everyone I've ever met has come into this practice for, for we come in for ourselves. It's about me. <laughs> it's about you, you know, and that's not a bad thing. That's how we get here. No, it's usually, it's really about ourselves. And this is one of these practices that, that helps us develop from that, that me, that I, to a we, to start seeing this reciprocal nature of, of merit, of dana, generosity, um, that there is something much larger I find for myself that when I connect in with this larger context of practice, that a lot of faith grows, a healthy type of faith, not that, not blind faith, but something that even though it's so big and I can't quite put my head around what, what it is, there's something still tangible about it. I can still taste it. I can feel what that is. And there's faith. And there's hope that that grows from that. And maybe that's not true for everyone. I don't think it needs to be. Um, but I do find it a, re a relief that it's not just about me and my practice, that this is something bigger, that it's, um, it's not about just my cultivation. That's so relieving. I love uh, thinking about the size of my life in the bigger context of things. So right now on this planet, there's 7.8 billion people. That's a lot of, that's a lot of human beings. Oh, and so who am I in that crowd of people uh, developing my meditation practice? 
it's not that I'm, I, you know, we don't have to become less than we become part of the we, right? So it's easy to go into that small self. It's still selfing, you know, maybe not worthy or whatever. Oh, that's not it. It's, what are we in the larger context of we that, that this is for, for all of us, including ourselves? Then you go further. When we dedicate the, the merit, it's not just for human beings, it's for all beings everywhere. So I was outside with my son Leo the other day. There's all these ants. I don't know if there's like an what happens with ants, an ant war or something's going on where they just keep coming out of the ground in big floods and they they'll they'll cover these big massive areas and they there seems to be a problem. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's really fun to watch. And so the two of us were checking it out. He's really fascinated by it. And so I I was thinking about that, like, okay, there's all these these human beings. How many ants are there? It's a hundred trillion ants <laughs> in the world right now, is the prediction. Hundred trillion ants dedicating the merit. What are what are we? When you just look down. You think of all the beings, all the life forms that are here on this planet right now. Just where are we in that picture? It's so humbling. It's exciting though, too, that somehow we can connect our practice and the wholesomeness of our practice to all these living beings. And then you look up <laughs> and think about the solar system, the universe. And what what that what that is? So I, I did look that up, and they think that there's 5.3 trillion planets that might contain life of some kind. So think about where you are in the cosmos of that here in your practicing. And it takes all of our our problems and and. Uh, issues and it, and it expands it in a, in a way. It's not that what's, you know, if you're going through something difficult, it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter or it doesn't count. But we can put ourselves in our, in our practice in this context of something so much bigger, something that uh, maybe if we can't hold it, this Dharma which uh, maybe is as big as all of this or has the potential to be um, dedicated out to all of these living beings. Maybe, uh, just maybe it is big enough to hold all that we're going through. So who's to say that when we put out into the world or the universe, these uh, thoughts of dedication, that it doesn't somehow ripple out. And this is what, you know, this is what we say, may it ripple out in all directions for all beings, excluding none, those who are seen and unseen. It's to say that the wholesomeness of our action doesn't have some kind of pathway out into the world, touching all of these beings in some way, that instead of putting out harm, that we're putting something else out.
It's a very powerful idea, an inspiring idea. It doesn't have to be more than that. We don't have to get woo-woo-y about it, but it's a powerful idea. And I know for myself, when I don't want to go sit and I'd rather just do something, you know, when I'm having a lazy day or something like that, um, that inspires me. It inspires me to sit. If it's just about me, I can come up with a thousand reasons not to go practice and feel good about it. <laughs> but if it's about all beings, suddenly there's more of an inspiration there. There's a power to sitting together when we are collectively practicing. You know, I know I felt this and I've heard it from many of you and I've heard it from practitioners over the years that there's something about practicing in a group that's different than practicing on our own. And for many, it's the, it's the way to go. For many, it's what motivates. It keeps you in the posture for that 30 to 45 minutes. You know, that it's not just about you. It's about everyone in that sitting group everyone in the meditation hall. And we feel it when we go into spaces where there's been this uh, buildup of merit, of all that wholesomeness, all that practice, all that cultivating. When we go into sacred spaces, it doesn't have to be a Buddhist space. There's spaces all over the world that have been uh, generating this kind of merit uh, of, of whatever you want to call it, whether it's goodness, wisdom, truth, wholesomeness, uh, we, we can feel it when we walk in. We feel it too when we go to places where there's the opposite. Some atrocity has been committed, real harm has been committed, there's a heaviness when we go to those places, we can feel it in that way too. This merit, it's, there's something palpable about it in those moments. There is something about it. Jetsunma Tenzin Palmo, who you might uh, know from Cave in the Snow, beautiful book, if you haven't read it. Um, she speaks to this and she's a Tibetan Lama um, uh, who's very well known. And um, again, another just fierce practitioner. Um, she talks about this, this merit, this, um, uh, the, the, the palpable experience when you go into these spaces, whether it's sacred or um, uh, somewhere that, uh, where there's been a lot of harm. And she, she talks about it in terms of thought forms. She used the word phrase thought forms. Uh, so she says, we swim in an ocean of thought forms, but like fish in water, we do not recognize our own psychic environment. If only we could see it, we would know that the psychic pollution surrounding this planet is far denser than the physical pollution. There is so much anger, greed, jealousy, fear, 
and general negative negativity in society, all of which is further cultivated and celebrated in the media. Dedicating our positive energy, she's now talking specifically about dedicating the merit. Dedicating our positive energy helps to bring balance and joyful appreciation into a seemingly hopeless situation. So she's speaking very directly to what uh, I, I do feel like there, there are these different forces at play. And we, we're part of all of it, you know, even as practitioners, it's, it, it depends on the moment, right? Sometimes we're part of that anger, greed, jealousy, fear, and general negativity. <laughs> and then we have this practice that offers us another way. It offers us a way to bring something else, not just within our own internal environment, but in that external environment as well. So I know we're at eight o'clock, but I do want to, I want to run through before we do questions, um, just how to dedicate the merit, something really practical on how to dedicate the merit, because this is something that you might engage in as a daily practice. You can do it at the end of your day. You can do it at the end of your um, meditation. You can do it just because you're thinking about it. <laughs> Maybe you're, you're walking along, you're walking the dog and um it comes to your mind and you'd like to dedicate the merit, how to do that. So it takes some effort, but very little effort, and it does take intention. So the effort needed is really just enough to pause whatever you're doing, to take this sacred pause that you're taking in, you're taking on a, a ritual and it takes that pause it's not something to just be rushed and be done with. And then the intention needed is just some clarity around why you're doing the dedication. What's, what's the purpose here? And it might be uh, just to feel into your, the, the a generosity of spirit of gratitude, feeling into that enoughness and wanting to give back. It might be um, an acknowledgement of your practice and wanting to offer that out, just the benefits of the, that you've received. It might be the wholesomeness of your practice. And, and maybe, maybe it's more of a hope. I hope that I'm generating harmlessness and wholesomeness. And may it be for the benefit of all beings. And so as you get in touch with the intention to take a breath, to take a very intentional pause and breathe that in, let it be something not just cognitive, but felt. And then the next step is to call in beings, call them in. And this can be done very simply in your mind, or you can say it out loud. It might be an individual. Sometimes we do that. Someone's really struggling. Maybe someone in this group, in our community. Sometimes it's someone related to someone in the community, and we call them to the center of our circle. And so you can do that with anyone, or you can call in all beings everywhere. 
there's also a long-standing tradition in Buddhism to dedicate merit to the dead, so people who have passed. And so in this life and the next, may the benefits of my practice be for the benefit of you. You can bring in uh, people who, who aren't uh, alive anymore, and that's just fine. And then lastly, um, that this is a heart practice in many ways, that this comes from your heart. So however you say it, that it's, that it's um, not about, oh, I should say it like this, or, oh, Kate says it like this, so I should say it like this, that it's, it's something more authentic that's coming from, from you, from your heart. I, I do, those of you who have been practicing for a while, you know that my dedication of merit, it's the same every time. And the reason it's the same every time is because it helps me grow this relationship. May all beings uh, be happy and content. May all beings be safe, inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in mind and body. May all beings be free. I say the same dedication every time. And each time I say it, I feel I can, I'm deepening my relationship with what that, those um, wishes mean, what that dedication means. Each time it helps me connect to that we um, just a little bit more. And so you might consider that something, not that it's um, rote, uh, that it's robotic in some way or, um, you know, you just can rattle something off, but that you're in relationship with what you're saying. There's great intention there and a, a willingness to develop relationship with it and grow. So that's, that's it's very simple in a way. Um, a little bit of effort, a pause, intention, say it from your heart, and call, call beings in to take this on as a practice. It's a wonderful practice. So I'd like to open it up. We have a little bit of time. Um, you have any questions or, or this has brought something to mind you'd like to share? You can do that now. Yeah, Jude. Thank you so much, Kate. And it was sweet to bring in Ruth Dennison, who was an incredible force and a funny combination of things. Um, One of a kind. <laughs> she did a lot of physical stuff too with people who, who went to her retreats, a lot of uh, counting of the teeth and a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's right. But um, I just wanted to say that it's hard to pick out one thing in this practice, which is so rich, but I think dedication of merit is my favorite. Mm -hmm. It always has been. There's just some way in which it really touches my heart. And when there's more than one person that I'm sitting with, we almost always do it. And I think I'm going to start to do it when I sit on my own also. Um, and a practice, a sit doesn't feel complete without it. I went to a Spirit Rock a couple of day non-residential a couple of years ago. And the first day, the Dharma teacher didn't say dedication of merit. And I was like, jarred. <laughs> and I went up to him and I said, would you consider doing this um, tomorrow on the next day? And he did. Mm. And it, it felt more complete to me. 
And there's a way in which it does epitomize the we for me. It also makes me feel like I'm not just sort of wasting whatever, whatever practice I'm doing. But it, it, there's a way in which it definitely feels more like interdependence. It feels like that, you know, the same thing about the beginning of the precepts, knowing how deeply we are entwined and the, the dedication and merit strongly feels that way to me. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it says. Um, so I've been thinking lately that I need more community in my life. And what you said made me realize that like, I'm in kind of a community just by being a living being. Mm. That's kind of cool. That is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does, it brings that, the loneliness and the separateness, which, um, you know, I think we, we all feel from time to time and sometimes a lot, that separateness. And um, it brings it into a new possibility. There's, there's another way of looking at of where we are in life. Um, I'm happy for you. That's wonderful. Anything else? Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to remind us all that on July 17th from 10 to 11, we're having a town hall. Yeah, thank you. That's right. I'll say a little more about that before we, before we end. Kate, this is Betsy. I Maybe that just inspired me to think maybe we would mention that our next Sunday is going to be on the 18th. Have we decided that? We have, actually. Okay. Yeah. Great. Good. Yeah. yeah. Outdoors at Hokmat Halev. Yes. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, Joni. I've just been pondering what you, you know, the dedication of merit and what you were talking about. And um, the Tibetan Buddhist community where I'm, I'm living um, part time. At five o'clock, everyone gathers and we do this two chants. And they're, um, they're both in Tibetan. <laughs> I think, no, one of them's in Tibetan, the other may be in Pali or something, but I, I don't feel a connection to them. You know, I, I've had people translate them word by word. There is sort of a fun kind of um, omie dharma, hetu prabhava, it's like, it's got a role to it, you know, once you've memorized it and, and all, but, I think to me, what I've had to do because it's not in, in English is just conjure up this feeling that these people I'm standing with have really been, have been working all day for the good of the community. Mm. And whatever blah, blah, blah we're saying, <laughs> people don't really necessarily know what the words mean. To me, it's a time to just stop and like I imagine each of them 
and the work that they did today for the for the community and and the heartfulness mm -hmm. of of their interest in in doing this work for the for this tibetan community and there's a sweetness about that it's it feels very tender it feels very like i may have disagreed with you about that this decision or that but at the end of the day we're coming together to recognize that we've all been trying to you know row in the same boat mm. and, and that's um it is a really, it is a really sweet thing. Um, so I just wanted to say that even if it's in a different language, just knowing that that's what we're about. Um, I feel like as Buddhists, we can always use our imagination to come up with something, even if the form, you know, the, the words aren't right or the form isn't quite right. I like the freedom of imagination to, to conjure something that does feel that does feel right. Um, That's great, so. Johnny. Yeah, hearing like just being there, being present, being present with what are we doing right now, is that can be enough. It doesn't even require a lot of imagination. It's just here, are all these people, and what we're doing together, dedicating this out. And I I know what you mean. I've had to do a lot of chanting in Pali. Um, over the years. And, and I find one, one tip <laughs> I can give it is uh, it, it does help to have, um, if you can get the, whether it's in Tibetan or it might be in Sanskrit um, and then below it have the English translation. So you can follow along yeah. with, with the yeah. language and, but understand line by line, this is what's happening and even go into a conversation with, uh, one of the monks about what it what does it really mean because sometimes the translations are so limited when they go into English. English is not um, it's not a Buddhist language, <laughs> but Tibetan um, Sanskrit isn't a Buddhist language, but there's a lot of influence there. Pali is a Buddhist language, uh, uh, Thai, Burmese. There's all these. Uh, words that don't translate well into English, but are, are really meeting more direct the teachings. And so we stumble through with English. And it's really nice to have a conversation with someone who knows both um, and, and can give the deeper meaning behind the words that, that are put down as the English translation, because sometimes it really comes up short. And it's the English. <laughs> it's the English that's the problem. So just a just a thought there that you could uh, you might go into a little more if you want to. But thank you. Yeah, I have asked for you know kind of a word by word. What does this mean? And and I do. And I have got a very unsatisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have to go outside of of the monastery to find it. But there's probably someone who can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I, I definitely, I can just go to Dharma College that someone teaches Sanskrit. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll stop there. Thank you, Joni. Thanks, everyone. Yep. So we do have, I'm going to send out an email tomorrow. We have a, a town hall on the 17th. That's, it's the set, that second town hall. Um, and everyone is welcome to attend, whether you came to the first one or not. 
um, I'll say more about what we'll be doing in the emails to come about that. And then we have our next Sunday gathering on the 18th. So it's a full weekend <laughs> for, for Asaya Sangha. But um, says, I don't know if you're local to the Bay Area, but we meet once a month in person. And so uh, we'll be meeting in, in Berkeley on the 18th. Oh, I'm in Berkeley. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Are you, are you on the mailing list yet? Because I'll send out an email tomorrow. Okay, so you'll get the info and you're welcome to join us. Everyone is. So um, looking forward to that. So let's dedicate the merit of our time here together. So taking this time to acknowledge the benefits of our practice, all that we've cultivated here this evening, all that we've listened to or shared. May it be not just for our own benefit, may it be for the benefit of all beings everywhere in all directions those who are seen by us or not seen, excluding none. May all beings be happy and content. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in mind and body. May all beings be free. May we all be free. Okay, everyone, take good care of yourselves. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.